Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls, who got to see one heck of a game Tuesday night between Texas A&M and Tennessee. Carter, how, how are we doing this morning? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, we talked last week after the Arkansas game about how that was one of the better, and and after Auburn too, how that was one of the better environments in Reed Arena in quite a while. And I just feel like Tuesday night against Tennessee took it up to another notch. You know, we had students out the door, wrapped around the parking lot, took like hours to get into the game. It was just just an insane environment. Just what was it like being in the arena for that tour of game and, and kind of what you saw from this team? Yeah, Buzz Williams even said after the game, he said, hey, this is, a, this is the best uh, environment that, as, you know, in Reed Arena that there's been since he's been there. And he also said that it was the best environment since he's been there against Arkansas, against Auburn. It, it continues to be taken up a notch. But the blackout idea was an awesome idea, something new. I don't know if A&M's done before, at least yeah. not in, in, in quite a while. Uh, but this A&M team, I mean, they seem to play at their best when their back is against the wall, right? You know, Buzz Williams has talked about how this team has treated every conference game like an NCAA tournament game uh, because after their four, six, and five start, they really had to win a lot of these games just to get back in the conversation. Well, now, even though that they're in, you know, comfortably in the tournament picture, you still see them play with that sense of urgency. And I think that's the thing that's been impressive to me is it's kind of mentally draining to treat every game like, you know, it's the NBA finals, but they're doing it and they've continued to, you know, uh, find that extra level being down nine, nothing the beginning of the game. And, and fighting their way back, taking a nine-point lead, making that an 18-point swing at one point. Um, it was very impressive. It, it's you, you have to be a very tough team uh, mentally uh, and really have the stamina to be able to 
go about every game like that, and they just continue to do it. So um, can't say enough good things, and it wasn't even that amazing of a performance from them. It, it, they really only had uh, two guys play at an extremely high level, uh, Wade Taylor and, and Julius Marble. Uh, Tyrese Bradford had his moments, but other than that, they really didn't get much else from anybody else, and yet they still beat the 11th-ranked team in the country. So uh, that's a hard thing to do, and, and I think they deserve all the credit that they're getting right now. To your point, it feels like, you know, every game just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we talked we talked about them controlling their own destiny. And, and lo and behold, Alabama went out and lost the very next night. And so A&M truly does now control their own destiny. When you talk about the next couple of weeks in on the road at Mississippi State on Saturday, that's not going to be easy. Ole Miss kind of feels if they if they're able to take care of business against Mississippi State, you still have to be really careful going on the road to play Ole Miss. And then I have a feeling that if that game, regardless of of what the stakes are, that game against Alabama just got a whole lot bigger. And and I have a feeling that crowd might be even more rowdy than it was Tuesday night. And I go back to one of the points when, you know, was talking with Buzz Williams after the Boise State loss during the fall. One of the things that he said when they were struggling was, we got to learn how to deal with adversity better. We got to learn how to be able to, if, if a team goes on a seven run, uh, 7-0 run, 9-0 run, we got to figure out how to be able to put a stop to that. And I can't think of a better example of that than last night when they're in a 9 nothing hole early on. Tennessee kind of comes out and, you know, punches them in the mouth right away. And to be able to scratch and claw, take the lead late in the first half and, and you know, head into the second half tied, to me, kind of is an example of where this team has been able to grow. They're they're now in a position where they respond to those sorts of moments, and you know they don't back down. They fight, and and it's really shown. It's a really amazing how far this team has come over the last two months. Absolutely, I mean it's now six in a row for them. They're now fifteen and two since Christmas. In that stretch, they've had six quad one wins. And as you mentioned, three big games coming up for them. Two of them will be quad one. One of them at Ole Miss will be quad two. And A&M goes into that final game against Alabama March 4th with a win in your SEC championship scenario. I mean, I can't imagine a better crowd and maybe in Reed Arena history. I mean, I, I was there for the shot that I was there for uh, Kentucky back when they had that undefeated team. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are two of the best crowds I've seen at Reed Arena. But I think if they go into that final game and they they have an SEC championship ahead of them that they could win if they win that game, uh, I really think it might be the best crowd in Reed Arena history. Uh, It's a Saturday game. Uh, Now, I say that. But I also look at the schedule and notice that it's an 11 a.m. game. So, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, you almost wish it was like the NFL where they can like uh, flex move, it move into time. another time. Flex yep. it, yeah, flex it to prime time. Like, come on, guys. Like, really? When this, this would be a top <laughs> 10 matchup, top 15 matchup at that time. Uh, we're, we're really going to have an 11 a.m. game. But, um, no, it, it should be an awesome atmosphere. And, and A&M's got a lot of play to play for ahead of it with a few games left 
No doubt. And you you mentioned that that some of those great environments. It, for me, it also makes what they did last night particularly important. What they did against Auburn particularly important because you go back to last year and you know you're sitting at four and zero, and everybody comes out to watch Kentucky and you you don't come away with a win in that game. Now that was a great environment, but you know the the excitement level kind of went down a little bit after that. Obviously, they went on the eight game losing streak. When you're able to win these big games with students in the crowd, with students having a blast and into the game, it makes them want to keep coming back, and it and it makes them want to be you know to go look at the schedule and see okay when's the next game when are when are we going back to to go to Reed Arena and that, and that's when I think things start building and you, you mentioned Wade Taylor and what he's doing right now I think is 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 extremely impressive you know I think he's put himself certainly in the conversation for SEC Player of the Year and just plays with with such a free-flowing, you know, I, I don't want to say reckless abandon, a little bit of a reckless abandon, that he's going to make some plays that are going to frustrate you. He's going to take some shots that are going to frustrate you. But my goodness, I mean, he has four steals last night, one inside the final minute that was huge after a boots mistake. He just seems to come up with that play that 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 he in that moment when AM really, really needs something, it seems to always kind of be Wade Taylor you know, Julius Marble that step forward and, and make that play. Wade Taylor is one of the more fun a and basketball players to watch. Maybe maybe the more frustrating, but fun. But he's been a lot more fun than frustrating lately for, for Aggie basketball because he just – it is so fun. That I think Bud's called it a high-risk, high-reward style that he brings mm-hmm. where – I mean, especially early in his career, his shot selection was a disaster. I mean, he was chucking up, you know, four NBA threes a game that you're thinking, what are you doing, man? And, you know, he'd get three or maybe five turnovers in a game, and a few of them would be pretty reckless. Uh, But then he would make some unbelievable plays that no one else on the court could make. And you thought, man, if he just did more of that than the other stuff, well, now he's finally figured it out. He, you know, may still have one, maybe two bad shots a game. He, he may have one or two bad turnovers a game. But for the most part, he has found the, the good Wade Taylor a lot more than the bad Wade Taylor. And the, when you're way more good Wade Taylor than bad Wade Taylor, you're a first team unless you see caliber player. You, you mentioned – um, SC Player of the Year, I, I would think he'd be in the top three of that conversation. Yeah. Um, I think Oscar Shibway, it may be his to lose this year, but uh, but Wade Taylor is in that conversation for sure with how he's played lately. And, you know, he's just making 20-point 20, 20 games look like routine. He's getting four or five assists almost every game and a couple few steals every game. And and really his ability to, to get to the free throw line has been impressive too. Uh, he was 16 to 17 against Tennessee. Almost has this wizard-like ability to, it's not quite James Harden where he's flailing around and, uh, you know, initiating contact in an absurd way, but he does have a way to sort of, you know, get that foul call and, and initiate that contact in a, in a really smart way. It, it is pretty fun to watch you know you look at i it's it's a small play but but to your point about being able to draw fouls the, the against tennessee he's coming off a screen can kind of feel that a guy's kind of riding on his 
on his back on his hip and just stops or slows down and and yep. gets gets run over, draws the foul. Um, those are the sorts of crafty plays. And and to your point about you know those one to two plays, even watching them in high school at Lancaster and with with DFW and 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 Southern Assault, Buzz Williams has even talked about it. You know that this was the way he played in high school. You'd kind of watch him in those AAU games, and he's kind of in the paint and. And has like a behind the back bounce pass to somebody, and you're thinking that might not, that might not fly in the SEC, but it's the way he plays, and it and it that the team kind of embodies that swagger. I think they play with that sort of confidence now, and and he's really the guy that that kind of leads the charge. And so it's going to be really fun. I don't, I think the sky's the limit for this team over the next couple of weeks. You know, they've they've got the SEC tournament right around the corner. The schedule is going to be a lot more favorable this year. They're they're not going to probably have to play four games. They're not going to have to play four games in four days to be able to win that thing. They're going to get a bye probably, you know, to get to into the into the Friday game and and should be a lot fresher. And so, you know, the opportunities there. And then we'll see what they end up doing in the SEC tournament. But you know, there's there's certainly a lot to be excited about when it comes to to A&M basketball because they are absolutely rolling right now. And March is also going to be a big month. We're gonna. Take a quick look after the break uh, about spring practice, which gets underway next month. Um, all eyes are going to be on that, on Jimbo Fisher. Plenty of storylines there as well, and, and we're going to look at, at some of those after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, spring practice, less than a month away um, from getting underway. I think there's going to be plenty of eyeballs. People are going to be kind of looking to see what this team's going to get done in their 15 spring practices. Uh, big storylines that that you'll be kind of looking for. What are, what are some position groups that, that you'll kind of be keeping an eye on? Yeah, well, I, I think Connor Wigman is obviously a big one. Just uh, what what kind of step is he going to be taking uh, this spring, this coming fall? Now that he's got a few games of of experience under under his belt, uh, I think a big one on the offense is the offensive line. I think you can't deny that this is the biggest question for this offense heading into the season. I feel like they feel. You know, maybe running back a little bit too, but they they've got some good talent there when it comes to Beyond Moss and and Daniels and and Ruben Owens. So, it, you know, while there is a concern about replacing a chain, I think hey, like they've got some talented guys in there that can kind of fill that void. Uh, but offensive line is the one where you look at it and you say this this 
group really struggled with injuries last year. They struggled with consistency. They gave up a lot of sacks. They had a chain and they still weren't that great of a running team for the most part. Um, and, and offensive tackle is a big question. Really left tackle can trace, can trade Zune, uh, be the left tackle that A&M wants him to be, can he be healthy. Uh, that, that's a big question on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, defense, I think you feel really good about where they are at safety and, and defensive line. Um, I think cornerback, you, you're kind of thinking, okay, Chappelle coming back, pretty great corner, and, and Tony Grimes coming in, you know, he, he can uh, you certainly have a, a high ceiling as well. Uh, the depth there may be a concern for me after all the departures from last season. Uh, and then linebacker, I think, is the big question for defense. Uh, O-line for offense, linebacker for defense. Uh, didn't gr- get a lot of great linebacker play last year. They were one of the worst teams in the country when it came to defending the run. Uh, that's a position group that uh, defensive coordinator DJ uh, Durkin is expected to uh, kind of move over to and, and begin coaching. So we'll, we'll see kind of what the impact that had. Uh, so I'm curious to see uh, kind of those two position groups in particular, linebacker and offensive line. I'm 100% with you on the offensive line. That was probably the one big one that I was kind of looking at. And, and you know, I really want to see what what kind of step can a guy like Cam Dewberry take as well going in. He got some playing time down the stretch of last yep. year. Can those sorts of guys who got significant playing time last year off many times their first, you know, significant playing time, Trey Zunes, another one, can they take that next step forward? Can they use these 15 practices? Now, you know, you you look at Steve Adazio and and everybody's got an opinion, right? Everybody's got an opinion about whether he can coach, whether he should have been gone in the offseason and all that. He's back for a second year now and – you know, I, I really want to see what he does in the second year because that, that that offensive line has to take a significant step forward. There's zero doubt about it. You know, at the center position, guys like Matthew Wyckoff, Bryce Foster, they need to be more consistent, play better, stay healthy for the most part. This offensive line needs to stay healthy. They just had a ton of injuries. And, you know, that's where a guy's at in their recoveries and, and, and you know, who's going to be available for spring practice is definitely – um, a question, but I also want to see some of those guys that we've been talking about now for a couple of years, like Demetrius Crownover. He made that move from from tight end to tackle a couple a couple of years ago. Where is he at in his development? Where is 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 he able to take that step forward? I know they they kind of looked at a six you know six seven guy and thought, man, if we could just teach him the the skill and and fundamentals of of playing tackle, we could really have something here. Where does he kind of add in, in that developmental stage? And, and Mark Naboo is a guy that um, heading into his second year, got some playing time last year. I think is a really intriguing guy along the interior of the offensive line. Just to me, the you know, Connor Wigman's a great example. You know, obviously him going into the spring, it's a really important spring for him. Um, got snaps last year. I thought, you know, kind of gave the offense a boost, um, especially obviously that LSU game was a heck of a game to to go into the offense in. Can he kind of grab hold and and really lead this offense consistently through the second half of the year? And, you know, I agree with you on linebacker too. I think those are my two big question marks. It's it's the two biggest ones out there. And what's going to kind of – who's who's going to kind of be able to develop in that position? You know, you've obviously got Edrin Cooper 
back leading that room. Chris Russell's back in that room. Okay, well, who's going to step up around those guys and who's going to kind of, you know, give that give that room some options and some depth and and intrigued to see what DJ Durkin's going to do with with that group as well, moving down to to coaching them and yeah, Sam Sam McCall and Tony Grimes really want to see what what they're what they're you know able to bring. You know, they're they're obviously going to be really important given a lot of the departures that that A&M had and you're obviously looking at the young guys there too Bobby Taylor missed part of last year with with an injury how's Javon Thomas and how's he looking coming in early there's there's a lot of intriguing storylines and and young I think the key word is young players that people want to kind of see that next step and and development um, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of talk in the, in the spring about Bobby Petrino. How much do you think we're going to really be able to learn about him through those, you know, through those 15 practices in spring, or is it, is that really a conversation that folks are going to need to be patient on and wait until the fall? I really don't think we're going to learn much until the games are played. <laughs> and a lot of that happens because that's the way A&M wants it. You know, they're, they're not going to give us access to full practices. Yep. We're probably not going to talk to Bobby Petrino. Uh, so all we'll really have to go off of is just what the players tell us. And I, I doubt any of them are going to tell us, hey, we don't like this guy. Uh, yep. and, and, and we're really not going to know the nuances of, of the dynamic between Fisher and Petrino until the games are played. I, I keep saying, okay, the, the understanding is Jimbo's going to give Bobby Petrino the play calling duties, but what happens if things go wrong? What happens if, you know, there's four straight three and outs or their offense can't get the ball moving? How much will Jimbo meddle? And, and, and really, how much is Petrino doing uh, beyond just play calling. So um, there's a lot to learn in that regard. Um, I would think that, uh, you know, we might learn a little bit, but but, but not a whole ton uh, when it comes to Petrino. No, I'm with you. And, it, the you know, you look at the spring oftentimes too when a guy kind of suffers a nick or suffers, you know, any sort of minor injury, it's going to be held out of practice for a couple of days and they're going to be – really careful with a lot of guys. And and that's something Brian and I talked about in the spring game last year was you know, they're probably not going to play a whole lot of guys that maybe went through those practices. If they have any sort of minor injuries, they're going to make sure they kind of get into the, the summer healthy. I am interested to see kind of where, what do you, you know, what, what are, what are some of the, the themes that emerge past, you know, what, what looks different about the offense maybe in the spring game from just what we're able to see. I don't think performance wise, yeah. you're going to be able to learn much, but, I think you're going to be able to see kind of what what sorts of routes does he like, what sorts of plays does he does he call. But you're right. I think you know you're going to hear you're going to hear players during the press conferences. You know, talk about will we're going to be really explosive. We're going to be you know dynamic. All those sorts of words, and they're going to speak glowingly. But it's going to be the results and and the proof is going to be in the pudding when they get to the the fall and kind of see you know where this offense truly is and 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 what that dynamic is like until and once once everybody's on campus i think yeah well, one other thing i'm going to be looking at this mm-hmm. spring i know they're way under the the scholarship limit right now and they they kind of they're up to what four tra- four transfers total i think um, three I, yeah they've got three 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 and that grinds mccall and tyron smith Correct. So um, 
I still think they got to hit the transfer portal. I and I think they kind of missed their mark. I, I don't think May you're going to get a lot of quality players that you would have gotten in December. I know this is the first iteration of it, but common sense just kind of tells you all the best players will leave in December. And the guys that are leaving in May are sort of the, I wasn't in the too deep on my depth chart and my team kind of deal. Uh, and with A&M, I felt like they had a lot of holes on their roster. Yes, they brought a, a lot of, of players back, a lot of starters back. But from a depth perspective, I feel like there are a lot of holes you could fill. I mean, I just look at backup center, right? Like if Bryce Foster goes down again, that may take two or three wins off your season. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the drop-off there is significant in, in my mind, just from what I saw last season when Brax Foster wasn't playing, it was a huge drop off. Uh, linebacker, you know, what happens if Edge Cooper gets hurt? Who are you filling in there, a, a walk-on? I mean, uh, there is there are holes there on this roster from a depth perspective at corner, a linebacker, the offensive line that kind of concern me. And I know some people say, well, well, no one's looking to be a backup anywhere, but that's not really the point. You look at all the best teams in the country that use the, the transfer portal well, they get guys that are not guaranteed starting spots all the time. They're, get, they're getting guys from smaller schools that are just happy to be there from, you know, the Conference USA or the SCS level, or they're, they're getting guys that, you know, were fringe starters at a Power 5 team, and they're being told, hey, you can compete for a spot. You may not get it, but you may be an injury away from playing. But this stuff happens all the time. And, 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 you know, like I know there's a lot of criticism on the guys that they didn't get that were the stars. But to me, I also think about, hey, wh why couldn't they have at least gotten some of these fringe guys that would have helped their depth at several positions? So that's something I'm watching for, because if there is an injury at center or a linebacker or a cornerback, I feel like they're in a really rough spot at those positions from a depth standpoint that I wouldn't feel too comfortable with. I'm with you 100%. And I, I, I know the arguments out there that guys that are transferring want to, you know, want to come in and, and have a starting spot. And, and, you know, but I think you, you look at an example like Tyron Smith, that's a guy that I think is coming in with the understanding of, okay, I might be behind an I Smith. I might be behind Moose Muhammad, but there's still going to be a role for me and, and still a chance. And, and that's a guy, I know the measurables, you know, probably aren't, you know, going to blow you away, but that's a guy that has experience and was productive last year at UTEP that you can bring into your locker room. And to your point, that's a guy that's just happy to be on like in the sec, right? That's a guy that's happy to be at Texas A&M contribute in any way he can. And, you know, you look at, and I Smith goes down last year and Moose Muhammad is able to, to step up. Now you have somebody, you have somebody else you can kind of turn to who you can also give you an option in, in Tyron Smith and gives you some flexibility to be able to play guys in different spots or move guys into different roles. And, uh, you know, I think they ended up kind of, you know, coming out of the better on the, on that one with Moose Muhammad, you know, breaking out and having a great season, but I still think you need to, you need to be able to have depth. Your, your your point is absolutely correct on Edron Cooper. I mean, Edron Cooper, if he goes 
down. What is behind him? You got Chris Russell, who's been inconsistent at times. You got Marshall Harris. Um, Damian Sanford, is he ready to play? And then you got Torian York and Chance Johnson, who are freshmen and more developmental right. guys. I just feel <laughs> like, you know, yeah. linebacker was a position that they targeted very early in the transfer portal. Looked really promising that Mason Cobb was going to potentially end up at AM. That didn't work out. He goes to USC. Okay, you still have to go out and I think still have to add to that room. You know, Nick Jackson's a guy that they that that was mentioned, ends up at Iowa. There's there's options out there. I think that you can at least feel like you can add depth and and add experience and still feel good about, you know, if, if somebody goes down, if somebody gets injured. Um, you know, even even a corner, they've added Sam McCall, they've added Tony Grimes. Could they potentially add one more depth guy who's comfortable coming in? Maybe it's a guy with multiple years of experience who's kind of looking like one to two years down the line thinking, okay, when these guys leave, Tony yeah. Grimes is only here for a year. There's your opening to come in and, and be able to play. And so I'm with you. I feel like AM still got more work to do. Now, whether they end up using those spots, you know, who knows, or whether they feel comfortable with what they have, I think that's that's a gamble. And if they end up taking that gamble, then, you know, if, if injuries happen, then, you know, the criticism I think is going to come, but I think they still have more work to do in the transfer portal specifically at, in the secondary and at linebacker. And, you know, you talk about a guy like Gary Bryant, I still think that's an intriguing name to at least keep on the radar until he does end up committing somewhere. Obviously he was thought to maybe be visiting A&M. They pushed it back to later in the spring since he's not a, a spring enrollee. Could you maybe get him in for the spring? And I think he'd be a huge add at the receiver position and go from there. But I'm with you. I think that's, that's, you know, do, do holes emerge and during spring, I I'm with you. I think, you know, they there's, that's going to be one interesting thing to watch for sure. Yeah. Tyron Smith, he was the perfect example a guy who's not going to start for you, but he's a 1,000-yard receiver at, at the FBS level. Yeah. That, that can help you in some way. What happens if Smith gets hurt again, right? Like, you're going to need a guy to come in there and, and help. I mean, you really just – your team your, – your way of building your roster is always, how can I improve? And I know it's not as black and white as that, but Tyron Smith – currently is better than what their third team option was at slot receiver. So you might as well do it. Why not? Okay. So, I mean, uh, there are other ways. Sam McCall is a guy who may not start this year, but okay. What if Chappelle goes to the NFL after next year, right? What, what if Tony Grimes has a breakout year and, and goes to the NFL? You need a guy that's been in the program and can, can step up. And Sam McCall is a guy who's a top 100 recruit. Uh, out of the 2022 recruiting class. So why not bring in a guy that two years down the line could could be a great player for you? To me, it just makes sense. And when you have those spots, why not? You, you don't want to ruin your, your culture, right? You don't want to take bad eggs. 100%. You don't want to, you don't want to get guys that are too risky or, or just bad players. But when you got a chance to get a, a good quality guy who – you know, it's a fringe all-conference player at a small school or a guy like Sam McCall who could become something, uh, I think you should do it for sure. I did, 
I did too. And you look at, go look at the game that they played last year against Auburn, right? Like when you look at that game and Evan Stewart goes down, Moose Muhammad has the the sleeve gate issue. And then <laughs> suddenly, you know, and you, you already don't have an I Smith and suddenly you're sitting there with complete, you know, a, a you you've completely watched your wide receiver room just get wiped out. And, and a guy like Tyron Smith is perfect for that sort of situation of, okay, this is a guy with experience that has had a thousand yards at, at UTEP and, you know, can come in and, and get us out of that sort of situation and be able to produce in that sort of situation and be, be reliable. Um, you never know. It's a grind of a season. There's, there's, it's, it's a, it is an absolute grind to go through an SEC slate and Jimbo Fisher is the first one to say that. So I'm with you there. I think there's example, there's, there's guys that are going to be out there and you know, you, if, if, if it doesn't work out, you know what? not every transfer is going to work out, but if you can have the depth there, if you can have a guy there to just feel good and has been in a, in a college program, I think you've got to take the, take the chance. And, you know, you look at the basketball side for a, for a second, look at what A&M's done with Buzz Williams and, and that program, look at how they've, you know, taken their high school guys, but every year they've kind of saved a couple spots for transfers and you end up with guys yep. like Tyrese Radford, Julius Marble, Dexter Dennis, some of those guys who are basically, you know, have emerged as have, have you know come in and make an instant impact and provide leadership and all the things that go into, you know, having a championship culture. They've been able to do it. So I'm with you. I think we're 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 on the same page on that one. That you know, I think they've got more work to do in the transfer portal, and we'll kind of see what this roster looks like by the time next fall comes around. So with that, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and, and wrap this up uh, again. Thanks for joining us. And, and if you like these videos, be sure to like and, and share and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you listen to this on Apple tunes or, or Spotify, uh, be sure to subscribe there as well. Give us a five-star review. If you like what we provide and, and, and like the content and uh, have a great week and, and we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>